Hey everyone, welcome to Cigars on Syndication. I'm Robbie. I'm here with my co-host Jay. Um, we're very passionate about cigars and very passionate about real estate. Uh, today we're we're smoking a uh, MJ12. Um, so far, a really good smoke. Uh, we're going to talk about Rescue Capital. Hey everyone, welcome to Cigars and Syndications. I'm Junaid Noor, um, and uh, I've had this cigar before, and we'll we'll review the cigar a little bit later. But this is one of my more favorite cigars. It's made by Illusion, and it's known as the MJ12. But on to Rescue Capital. Yeah, the Rescue Capital is, is interesting um, and can be a little confusing to newer investors. Uh, I think you do a really good job of explaining the, the Rescue Capital and how you know it can impact uh, the investors, uh, the LPs and, and the GPs. Yeah, so Rescue Capital is, as its name suggests, for rescue. So, for example, what happens is, and especially nowadays it's happening a lot, that a bank gives you a term sheet or they give you a commitment letter even, and you sign the commitment letter. And the interesting thing is that just because they give you a commitment letter, they're not actually committing themselves. They're committing us, the borrowers, to stick with them, but they have out clauses and they can be like, well, you know what? This deal is not working out for us. Um, and they could do that last minute. They pull a deal, and now all of a sudden you're stuck with a closing where you're going to lose a bunch of earnest money, and uh, you have to call in the rescue team. Yeah, you might have a, a real estate contract that, that you know, you have 30 days to close on a piece of property. Uh, your bank, your lender backs out on you, and, and maybe you find a new lender, but maybe they need more capital up front to secure the debt. Uh, also with, with everything that's going on with the interest rates, um, and commercial mortgage backed securities, uh, are due, you know, most of these mortgages are due every five years. Uh, some of them are even, you know, with the variable interest rates, um, uh, the interest rate has gone up. So in five years, they have to either, um, uh, do another loan with the current interest rates, uh, and, or the, um, the interest rates uh, and their variable rate very variable note has gone up to an extent where you know they need additional capital well and and this rescue capital for me it, this is where it gets a little confusing is it's actually equity yeah so it it is uh it's a little bit of a a hybrid it is equity with debt features in it so you know uh it it, it it's paid in a first position to the to the uh, to the investor, but it's really not debt. It's not on the balance sheet as a, as debt. It's still on the balance sheet as equity. So, in a in a case where this rescue capital is used, and and maybe you're a limited partner on this deal, could it impact your you know your cash flow? Oh, absolutely. So, usually, if you're if you're in need of rescue capital. There's probably not a lot of cash flow happening anyway. Um, and for various reasons, right? Maybe they need some, uh, some of the expenses have gone up, you know, rent, rent has not gone up, insurance has gone up. That's a big problem in the Gulf states right now, Gulf Coast states right now, which is that insurance has been going up dramatically and rents can't really keep up with that kind of insurance increase. Um, so maybe they need to make a debt payment, uh, to their regular lender. Uh, or they need to infuse additional capital in order for the lender to uh, to 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 refinance the note. So 
what happens with with uh, rescue capital is that uh, a an investor comes in, and right now rescue capital is going in the teens, 12, 13, 14, 15 percent. Uh, but it's not an interest rate. What it is, it's a preferred rate of return, and they get paid first before anybody else gets paid. So from a limited partner position, when you see the preferred partner, these that that's typically what this is. They're injecting equity into the deal. Correct. And so, you know, if there are, you know, 100 investors and 100 shares, or if it's a, if it's a, uh, uh, a limited partnership or an LLC units, if it's a hundred units, and now this preferred uh, investor comes in, you know maybe they want twenty units, and so everybody else's units, all the other investors' units, get diluted. Yeah, and, and another situation, I guess, where this this rescue capital comes into play is is if there's a cash call shortage, or or maybe your 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 PPM's not written properly, and and the GPs may be exposed a little bit and, and the LPs and other GPs don't raise the equity they need for the cash call, then they can bring in preferred. Yeah. So usually your PPMs are written so that in the event there's an emergency, um, and it may, it may not have anything to do with the incompetent, with the competence of the management team, you know, something like COVID, you know, COVID happened, uh, people who had funds in hospitality, uh, even in apartment buildings, right? People couldn't make their rent payments because they weren't going to work. They weren't getting paid. It's one of those emergencies that happens where, you know, uh, debt still needs to be paid. Um, you know, you still need to make your payments to the bank. And so there's a cash call. And so the general partner calls all the investors and say, hey, you know, we're $50,000 short or $100,000 short or whatever dollars short. You know, can you put in another... $20,000. And uh, most PPMs are written that they have to put it in. And if they don't, then they automatically start getting diluted. Um, but uh, some PPMs are, some of the older PPMs were written where, you know, there's no, there's no concept of a cash call. And then, you know, there's nothing you can do about it if, if, the, uh, uh, if the investor does not want to put a pony up more money. And you have to bring in rescue capital and you have to dilute them. You really have no other choice. And as a GP, if that PPM is not written correctly, you cannot d- dilute their shares. Well, I, I don't know if you'd, you'd have another choice, though. You can't dilute their ch- shares. That's true. Well, you may be able to dilute their shares if new investors come in. But with the cash call provisions, you usually want uh, you w- want to require the uh, existing investors to put their money in. Otherwise, it still gets diluted. I mean, I don't know how how else you could get around that because, you know, either you lose the whole deal and everybody loses everything or you dilute your shares a little bit and at least you get to keep, uh, you know, fight, live to fight another day. So right right now, there's there's $240 billion in rescue capital out there and they call it dry powder. And and that's because it's it's readily available and easily to de- easy to deploy. Um, why would you go the the rescue capital route in lieu of a mezzanine debt? Well, you go rescue capital because you can't go with debt. Uh, either your cash flow is not there, uh, so so your cash flow is not there. Your debt service coverage ratio. Remember uh, some some of the um, apartments that were foreclosed on uh, a few months back. 
in Houston, it's because their debt service coverage ratio was very lean to begin with, right? It was one point, you know, I think it was 1.09 and then it fell below that. Um, so in order for you to get debt, um, lenders will look at cash flow, will look at debt service coverage ratio. And, you know, mezzanine debt is going to be even, you know, 12, 13, 14%. But you may not be able to qualify for that debt just because you don't qualify for the underwriting. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, banks uh, start restricting capital and make more stringent standards just when the market needs more money. And when the market doesn't need money, they're begging you to take that money. Because banks are risk, risk averse and mezzanine capital is a little bit more risk uh, they'll take more risk, but still risk averse. But, you know, the thing with, with rescue capital or dry powder, as you called it, um, is that it's not, there's no monthly payments. You don't make monthly payments like you do in a debt situation. Uh, but there is a time limit. So, you know, uh, let's say uh, the investor comes in who's bringing in the preferred equity uh, or the rescue capital and says, look, you know, I understand you're in a bad situation. I understand the market is horrible right now. You know, interest rates are high. Debt yields are high right now. Uh, I can I can deploy money to you at 13% or 15% preferred rate of return for three years. In three years, I expect um, the interest rates to go down. I expect you to refinance or sell this property off. And I expect to get paid first. So I get I get my 12% or my 15% return. Over the three years, plus I get paid first for my rescue capital uh, when this event happens, and this event needs to happen within three years. And if it doesn't happen in three years, then we'll re- revisit it. But there's a there's a time limit. Whereas a regular investor, you know, yeah, you you put your money into a property, you want to hold it for three years, and the market conditions are not there, or nobody's buying the property, you can't refinance and cash out your investors, maybe you'll hold for five, maybe you'll hold for 10. But with, with the rescue capital, there's a time limit. Now, this the rescue capital, it's, you're not going to your traditional lenders for this type of uh, transaction. You're looking for more of a boutique lender. Correct. You're looking for more of a boutique lender or boutique investor. Um, because lender is a very specific term, right? It goes on your balance sheet as a liability, whereas this doesn't. This hits the equity. That's why everybody gets diluted. Uh, but yes, there are boutique uh, investors out there. There are boutique firms out there uh, that do that are just sitting on rescue capital and they're waiting. You know, they're waiting for that big fallout that's going to come with uh, you know uh, multifamily property and other commercial real estate. Uh, you know, notes are going to be due and they're going to jump from. They're three, four percent rate to 10, 11 percent rate rates, and people are not going to be able to cash flow. They're not going to be able to afford them. And if the banks don't play ball, now the banks can do something. What the banks can do is they can say, okay, you know what? We can't lend at the four percent rate. We have to lend at 10 percent because it's, you know, the Fed funds rate plus or prime plus how much, however much. We have to charge in order to keep our spreads, but we can do a 50-year amortization, balloons due in five years. So that'll give, and if, you know, the banks that come up with uh, novel ideas with some creative ways of doing it, 
they they'll do well because they'll they'll get loyal customers. But you know, most banks are not going to do that. They're going to be like, well, we just want our money, or we're going to foreclose, and that's it. Yeah, I think that's going to actually be the success or failures of all these regional banks is how they restructure these deals, and and the the ones that are are clever and smart enough to restructure these deals. You know, whether it reduces their their cash flow or whatever. I don't think these guys want to be, run apartments. I don't think they want to figure out how to develop commercial property. I think they just want to be lenders. And and I think if they get creative, uh, there's going to be some successes there. And I cannot imagine the the loan officer who has to come to his his committee meeting and say, hey, we just closed on 12, 300 plus unit multifamilies and we own them. And they're going to look at him like, are you crazy? Who's going to run this? Because they don't know how to run these things. They're not set up for that. They're set up to lend money. Um, and, you know, if, if they do it, uh, and, be, and also from the, from the perspective of the, the general partner, you know, if a bank comes to me and says, okay, you know what? Normal, normal rates are 9% right now. We're going to charge you 9.5%, but we'll give you a 50-year amortization, balloon due in five years. You're not worried about cash flow at that point. You're worried about just survival, meeting debt service coverage, and being able to get over this hump. You're not thinking about, oh, you know what? What am I going to pay my investors? You're worried about, oh my God, I'm going to lose my investors' money right now if the bank doesn't work with me. Yeah, you know, and if I think if you find yourself in that position, I mean, I think communication is key. Uh, be upfront with your investors. Be upfront with your with your lenders, and and to try to come to resolution. Otherwise, it's going to crumble. And early on, the earlier the better, right? If you tell them, you know, 30 days before the note is due that, hey, I don't have any other options and I'm stuck, there's not much they're going to be able to do. As soon as you figure out, which everyone should know, right? I mean, you should be able to look at your note and go, okay, I was at 4% and now, you know, my my note is, come due, is coming due in, in uh, six months it's probably most likely going to be at nine or 10%. Go and talk to your banker and, and figure out, you know, a, a creative solution so that they can make money. You can survive this and get over this hump. Well, back to this illusion MJ 12, man, Jay, I'm so glad you brought this today. This is a really, really good smoke. Um, I'm getting some, some milk, chocolate, coffee, uh, but, but really smooth, uh, magnificent burn. Um, Thanks again for bringing this uh, this illusion. It's a, it's a more of smaller boutiques type cigar. Yeah, it, it's a very good cigar. Um, uh, it's got a fantastic uh, story behind it. Uh, the 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 owners or the the people who make the cigar are big on conspiracy theories. So uh, you know, homework for everybody: go look up MJ12 and and the the reason it's called MJ12. It's, it has to do with a conspiracy theory with UFOs and Roswell. So, uh, but it's a fantastic smoke. I'm getting some chocolate, uh, got some pepper, a little bit of pepper in the beginning, but, uh, yeah, I'm getting some chocolate. I'm getting some, some nut flavor in here, but it's, it's smooth. It's a Maduro wrapper. Fantastic smoke. Man, everybody, thank you again for joining us. Um, go to albanyparkcapital.com. Uh, Jay wrote a wonderful article about rescue capital, uh, smoke good cigars and, uh, we'll see you next time. Have a good afternoon.